0: In this church, we celebrate the church seasons really more than the national seasons, and I know we stand on the cusp of Thanksgiving, but liturgically, which is the way we keep our own calendar, we are two weeks away from the coming of Advent when the whole season, the whole church year begins again, Advent, preparation, begins again to bring us to the end of the liturgical season, which this year will be next week in what is often known as Christ the King Sunday, or my preference, the Reign of Christ Sunday. At that point, the season ends, the year ends, and we now are back beginning again with Advent. Today's passage comes to us at a similar place every year during this time, and it is often held up as one of the... ...apocalyptic passages from the Gospels. And we know apocalyptic sort of means end times... ...but I want to share with you that that's really a misnomer of what it means. The text comes to us from the Gospel according to Mark... ...verses 1 through 8 of chapter 13, known as the Little Apocalypse. Don't make anything out of the fact that it's chapter 13... Actually, the chapter heads are arbitrary according to the size. It's a long story. Anyway, it's just what it is. As Jesus came out of the temple, he worshiped in the temple. One of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what large stones and what large buildings. Then Jesus asked him, Do you see these great buildings? Not one stone will be left here upon another, for all will be thrown down. Later, when he was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will this be? And what will be the sign that all these things are about to be accomplished? Then Jesus began to say to them, "'Beware that no one leads you astray. "'Many will come in my name and say, I am he, "'and they will lead many astray. "'When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, "'do not be alarmed. "'This must take place, but the end is still to come. "'For nation will rise against nation "'and kingdom against kingdom, "'and there will be earthquakes in various places. "'There will be famines and fires.' But this is the beginning, just the beginning, of the birth pangs. This is the word of the Lord. Without a doubt, if you watched the news last week, the main story was not about the elections, but rightfully so about the unbelievably tragic and awful fires in California, paradise and other places that we just can't get our heads around. Can you imagine what it must be like for those in the midst of this? During one particular newscast, they were interviewing a woman who stood in front of her now smoldering home, only rubble left. She tragically Stood. I mean, just that whole stoop-shouldered, you could just tell she was completely defeated, stood before the camera and, and said, it seems to me like an apocalypse. God's on vacation and not taking care of us. And I am sure that as she understood that term, the apocalypse, it felt just that way, with fires raging everywhere, smoke, people being lost, then found, unfortunately. I am sure that for her, it seemed like everything that she had built her life on had collapsed and gone up in smoke. The issue of apocalypse, however, is not really meant to be used in that way. For the word apocalyptic does not necessarily mean everything has gone crazily dead and up in smoke. For really what apocalypse means is a revealing. It's from the word in English revelation. In Greek it's apocalyptic. It's revealing. And what it reveals, of course, is that life is a pattern of birth and life and death, and rebirth. It is the great paradox that is true for every human being, all of creation itself, every biological atom, every single thing that lives or moves or breathes. It is the paradox of life, death, new life. An apocalyptic revelation simply means that this is God's plan and also God's presence in the midst of it. We misuse this word because we blithely throw it out. I heard somebody on the golf course the other day who was having a bad round say, it feels almost apocalyptic. And Then I heard someone else say that losing the House of Representatives seems apocalyptic. It's not the end of the world we being humans don't like change, we, we like stasis, I mean that's an important part of keeping things ordered, stasis, we don't like change. But what apocalyptic really means is that something brand new is breaking in on us at every single moment of life. It is the revelation of this new thing breaking in on us that is what is being revealed. God is revealing God's newness, even in the midst of what seems like apocalyptic doom. But it is not about doom. It's about new life. This is the point Jesus is making as he's talking to his disciples They'd just gone into the temple. The the disciples were saying, This place is huge. Look at this. And it was. I mean, the stones in the temple are how they managed to do it without hydraulic equipment is in itself a miracle. Yet they built this temple. And Jesus said, You see those stones? They're going to come down. And there are going to be wars, and there are going to be famines, and there are going to be fires. There's going to be a lot of destruction. But don't fall for all of those false prophets who run around saying that they know the time and the place and the temperature of heaven when that time will come. Beware, he said, for there will be many who seem to say they are me, but do not listen for, Jesus says, have hope. Have hope. What seems like the end of the world is not. Something new is being born. This to me is one of the most hopeful texts I know, even though it's couched in such dark terms. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes and very... Can't we avoid... This. I mean, I like the concept of the the sort of apocalyptic preachers who seem to make a living out of claiming they know the exact time and place of the rapture. I like the concept because if that's true, then the rapture comes, then I can well, that's granted that I'm raptured, can can actually be taken up like, you know the Black Hawk helicopters will fly down and swoop up all the good 144,000 people. Of course, we all include ourselves in that number and, and take us off into heaven without having to deal with the vicissitudes and pain and suffering of life anymore. It, it, it's, it's the great evacuation plan. And I, I like the concept itself, except for the fact that it's wrong. With that concept also comes the fact that as we're being taken up in the helicopters, a whole multi-squadron of blue angels are going to swoop in and demolish everything that's left. And so everybody that doesn't get raptured, of course, has to suffer the amazing, terrible pain of death. Now, there must be a place in our lives where we are so in pain that that's the only way we can see out. And in which case, a rapture does bring some hope. And while there is a strain in the Bible that undergirds this, the larger strain of this is that God is the God of creation, and God is the God that evolves creation deeper and deeper into a responsible adult place. And being a responsible adult is that there is no way out of life's pain and sufferings. It is not just suffering in life, but it is also suffering in life. There is no life without that. Do not trust a religion that tells you you will not suffer if. Didn't work for Jesus. Didn't work for the disciples. Did not work for Paul. Neither do you trust a religion that says it's all about suffering. Ultimately, it's all about gratitude and joy. But there is no way in the midst of that that there is also not... Su- okay, so Eve is the first mom, right? Symbolically, Eve is the first mother. She has no mother to lean back on about What is this childbirth stuff? The next thing she knows is, symbolically, she's starting to miss her cycle, and she's starting to grow larger, and and nine months later, all of a sudden, she starts having all kinds of weird pains, and she has no idea why. And the next thing you know, she's starting to have terrible contractions. I have no idea what that's like. I have had a kidney stone, and they say it's close, but I don't know. I'm only speaking from watching my, the mother of my own children go through this. It's awful. And, and But Eve doesn't know that, right, symbolically speaking? She's going through this without any knowledge. All she knows is it's pain, it's suffering, it's labor, it's birth pangs, as Jesus calls it. And the next thing you know, at some point, it's a boy. And then there's life. And that's the cycle over and over again. There is no life. There is no true relationship. There is no growing up into responsible maturity and adulthood without going through that same process. We do not grow without suffering. Life doesn't happen without death. They go hand in hand. And so... I'm not advocating denial of suffering, and I'm not advocating too much suffering. I'm only advocating the fact that the revelation, the apocalypse, is that this is the paradox of what it means to be alive. Birth, life, death, new life. And the revelation is that God's hand is in the middle of all of it. I know this is a hard sell. I know the traditional understanding of the apocalyptic sense of things means it all comes to an end. But I'm advocating that, you know what? That's not in this time. That's in Kairos time. That's not in Kronos time. And for us to wait, I I walked into a I was going to lunch to see a friend. I had 20 minutes uh, on my hands before we were to meet. I walked into a little antique store, and and there was a, a couple of women standing up next to the counter in a conversation, and they were talking about prayer. And of course, I had to listen. I'm the preacher. I'm listening in on this, and so the, the conversation went, went something like. I do believe that we're called to pray for God's will. That's what Jesus did in the garden. I do believe it says that in the Lord's Prayer, "Prayer, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But I also have to say that I say that, but I also pray for my own will to be done too, especially right now because my husband is struggling through cancer, and I'm praying that whether it's God's will or not, my will is that God heals him. And then she said this to show what kind of pain she was in. She said, And if God is not going to heal him, I'm praying for the rapture so that we can be taken up and not have to deal with the pain of his loss. Jesus says, Don't count on it. Jesus says, That's inevitable. And then what he also says, you see, is the hope that comes even in the midst of that pain and suffering, the hope that grows even out of the midst of death, is new life. That's what he gives us. Give up on trying to get out of this world without suffering. Claim the power of God's redemptive love to bring new things out of death, even literal death which we call resurrection. You wouldn't tell the woman standing in front of her home these words. It's so cavalier. Well, it's all about the cycle of life and death. You know, it's a good thing that the fires raged through California because the forest really needed to be thinned out and therefore, plus, if you have insurance, you can rebuild your house like you always wanted. And then you'll have less of a fire issue because now that the fire's raged through, you know, there's less issues about it coming again. What a good thing. Life, death, rebirth. You don't say that in the midst of suffering. But you claim that now so that you'll have something to hang on to then. Yes, you grieve, you mourn, but you also hope That out of the darkest places and the most destructive times, God is even at work bringing something new to bear. Instead of pie in the sky by and by, maybe it's better to call it a piece of pie for those who try. That Life is a gift more than a burden. And it is full of opportunity and growth and gratitude and joy and even suffering. And even when it feels like all hell is breaking loose, it is not the end of the world, but the beginning of the birth pangs. Something new is about to be born. Even when all hell is breaking loose, it is not the end of the world, just maybe the end of the world as we know it. Even when all hell is breaking loose, it is not the end of the world, for it is not the end of God's world. It is, however, the end of this sermon. Thanks be to God.